Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here this week to the right of me is my co-host and cohort, Victor Ives. That's right. I'm sitting over here. I'm doing (laughs) really good, man. I'm blessed today. You are? I am. I I have a joyful heart today. Oh, that's good. It's good. We're doing a 180 this week. Last week, we talked about negativity and self-talk and comparison and the dangers of all that and how the, the devil likes to use those lies to keep us from what we're here for, right, which is evangelization and bringing other people to God. So... But I don't know a whole lot about joy. I've tried to I've tried uh, to research it a little bit, and I had to just got just got a, little, a good taste of it. Right so between recently. us, we've only got so much of a brain between right. the two of us, so we had to bring somebody in that was a little bit smarter. And I'm just I'm glad to introduce my friend Damon Owens. Uh, we met a year ago. He uh, was a former executive of the the Theology of the Body Institute, and now has his own personal ministry, Joy to Be, and. You know, last year we brought you in for, I believe Father Ben Bradshaw brought you in yes, for a talk. Yes, yes, that was wonderful. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you're back for an event. We're having a men's conference here in the next couple of days, and glad to have you back. And, you know, you've been such a good friend to me and, and helped me along my way as I'm trying to figure these things out. You're so, a good man. Well, you're a good I, man. I need good men in my life. Don't tell too many people. I've got this image. I'm trying <laughs> to <laughs> But, no, I just, I'm so glad to have you here, and, and uh, it just, you know, you're my first guest, so... You Wonderful. Know. I think you're talking yourself down a little bit. I know you're just a guy in a pew, <laughs> but this is not just a pew. This is about the nicest pew I've ever seen in a church. If the church adopted these kind of pews, we'd be much more people. Well, that's right. I, well, I stopped giving money to the church and gave it to the carpenter, so that's how that happened. But but uh, he buffed it up real nice. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> nice sheen to it. Yeah. That's it. That's right. But you know, a lot of things what we do here, Damon, we talk a lot about you know individual topics that men struggle with. You know, We've talked about lust and anger and stress and just everyday things that people deal with, guys. And, you know, a lot of times I find that that helps people grow closer to God because sure. a lot of times we, we talk about things in life that these concepts and these theologies and things like that, but we don't apply them, right? We just mm-hmm. try to we try to live them in a certain way, but we don't, we don't look at them in our everyday issues, in our mm-hmm. everyday moments. Mm-hmm. So joy is one that I know a lot of people struggle with. And I think a lot of people don't even know what joy is. If you were to say... Uh, I'm joyful. They, somebody said I'm happy. You know, I got yeah. a, I got a, uh, a McNugget bag or something. And I'm happy now. You know, it's whatever that is. But can you explain that a little bit to us? Like the difference between joy and happy and happiness, the way you see it, and you know, kind of the mission of your of your um, your ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's um, for me, it's very personal because uh, I look back at, at you know the work God has brought me through, and, you know, delivered me from engineering and mm-hmm. uh, made my exodus there and. And the work that I'm doing with engaged couples and with married couples and, and youth, young adult, really around the theology of the body, sexuality, coming to grips mm-hmm. with this this stewardship of our sexual right, power. Right. That's a word, a phrase I want to throw out. <laughs> um, that if there were a common thread, you know, for the last 25 years, it really has been a personal search for joy mm-hmm. and the joy of inviting others to live that joy. And I remember right. when I'd left the Theology Body Institute because I had this call, I didn't know exactly what it was, and I really in prayer for, for several months. And we were literally outside of a cheesecake factory with uh, the kids in the back and, you know, about to have a dinner I couldn't afford. And, um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a birthday, so I, just, I justified it. And um, 
you know, was sitting there with Melanie waiting because he you know, was always have long lines mm-hmm. at Cheesecake Factory, right? So she's like, what are you going to do? What's going to be? And I said, well, I know it's got to be with couples. It's got to be about family. It has to be theology of the body so much as it's blessed our marriages, yeah. our marriage. But um, I, I think love is still too controversial. To, to, to make it based on love, people have different, you know, incomplete or distorted views of love. And it really, when I look back at all these years, it really has been about joy. And the Lord yeah. gave me at that moment this thread and I got several constellations afterwards, listening to fifteen-year-old tapes and hearing me mm-hmm. describe joy. Like, <laughs> but it wasn't in the front of my mind. So for me, and I think the power that is as compelled in all these years in ministry has been precisely that distinction of joy and happiness and pleasure. And I'll say off the bat that all of these are good. Mm-hmm. This is part of creation that God put. You know, there's a reason why Snickers bars are so awesome, right? <laughs> there's a reason why the drive-through at Chick-fil-A is always full and McDonald's isn't. You know, sorry for that. So I know the two places to find you at no, the Snickers well, rack no. and the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> at least the desires of my heart when my go. will is. So, but I think there's the, the joy, and John Paul II said this, right? That they were made for, were created for joy, mm-hmm. with a mission to love, and it is inseparable from our creation as male and female. Mm-hmm. There's something more than biological about being made in the image and likeness of God and the fact that when he created us in his image and and likeness, it wasn't just as bodily creatures. He created sex when he created us. Mm -hmm. And it's in the very first chapter of the very first book of our family album, the Bible, before any morality, before any commandments, before anything that was structured, legalistic, or juridical. It was about identity given Mm -hmm. to us through the relationship of God the Father and then sending us out on mission. Let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the earth and subdue it. Identity, the relationship, with the mission. So to live in the truth of who we are means that what Christ said, I'm throwing a lot of Bible at you here. No, that's great. In the South, it. It's all good, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, if we fast forward to the Gospel of John and after all the commandments, I have not come to change one iota of the law, of affirming everything in the Old Testament in terms of, 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 of law. He says, I have told you all these things so that my joy might be yours and that your joy might be complete. Now, who's going to follow a law for joy? Nobody, right? <laughs> you follow a law so you don't go to jail. jail yeah, so you're not like- a criminal, yeah. right? So we can look at the Old Covenant as being the New Testament, the New Testament concealed. That mm-hmm. if you follow this, you will have a revelation. Just being not a criminal and staying alive is actually has a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. But we're not here just to stay alive. We're here to live a life of joy, the, the joy of the inner life of God. So how, how do these connect? So joy, fundamentally, is not about circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's not about the things, the sensual encounters, like the Snickers bar, the Chick-fil-A, the things that, that bring us pleasure. Mm-hmm. Pleasure is good. But what do we know about pleasure? It comes and it goes. And yeah. as soon as you finish that Chick-fil-A, you're thinking about the next one, right? <laughs> the Snickers bar, you're thinking about the next one. And we need another one or something better to get that same level of, of joy. You hear this with addiction yeah. stories all the time. It's never sustained. Never yeah. sustained, and mm-hmm. it's never enduring. So why yeah. would you build your life around something that has to constantly be monitored and maintained? Happiness, in a, in a certain sense, and I'll say all this stuff, if you're a big theologian and you're going to quote Thomas Aquinas to me, that's, that's wonderful. I'm with you. <laughs> and he would, he would talk about happiness in the way that I'm talking about joy. So mm-hmm. I'll put that caveat there, right? Yeah. But we speak about happiness today as being conditional. I'm happy because I'm looking forward to. Or when I'm, I got this. When or, I got yeah. this, exactly. Yeah. So we've got um, imagination that brings us 
to a future that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. We have a memory that brings present what happened in the past, mm-hmm. but both of those are dependent on something that right. brought us that delight. So happiness is very dependent on circumstances and uh, even emotion. Joy is on a whole other level. Joy is understood as being relational. Mm-hmm. There's a way to live your life where you may not be happy. You may not be uh, content. You may not be comfortable. But there's an inner sense of order and peace because you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And even if you're suffering in it, there is a peace. You're rightly ordered. You're rightly right? ordered, right? Yeah. Uh, joy is the fruit of right order. Mm-hmm. It's the fruit of love. So joy being relational means you've answered positively, I know who I am. Yeah. I know whose I am, and I know why I'm here. And that journey of not just being alive, but of pursuing what God has created you to be is the seed and the seat of joy. Right. And this is why you can suffer in it, and yeah, it doesn't it, destroy the joy. It doesn't change. And don't you think that's part of the problem? Like, you can't even begin to think about being joyful if you don't know who you are. Yes. And that's the, uh, to me, that's one of the biggest things we talk about here mm. all, the, all, the, all the time is identity. You know, men today, we just, we are whatever we are doing at that moment or whatever we're achieving or whatever we're getting. You know, uh, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm good because I did this at my job or I'm bad. And, and we have this ability to hold on to these mistakes, right? I did this, therefore I am that. that. There it is. And, and, and I think that's one thing that drives men to, to unhappiness, to, to not even know what joy truly is. Mm-hmm. Because they, they get to this point where, well, why even try, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I did this and I'm that, like we mm-hmm. talked about. Yes. And, you know, the thing is, for me, you know, you talked about the times when you suffer and things like that. You know, I've gone through times of desolation, you know, mm-hmm. and it can happen instantaneously. You know, you're, you're, everything seems right. You're, you're being a good father. You're, you're there for your kids. You're there for your wife. You're providing. You're going to church. You're spiritually leading your family. But then all of a sudden you hit these times where you're like, where are you, God? Yes. You know, where, and, and that's where I find it hard to live joy in some periods is, is I know that God loves me. That never leaves my mind. But the physical feeling of this, this joy that was so easily in my grasp a couple of times, a couple of minutes before, a couple of days before, how do guys deal with that? Like the periods of the peaks and valleys where you're walking through your life and, yeah. and your God gives you these blessings one minute. And, and even though he's always continually blessing you and we look away from that. Yeah. But how do you how do you live joy in those times where you're in the valley instead of the top of the mountain? No, I sincerely believe the the answer is in your question, right? Because okay. you recognize a desolation which is not a despair. Mm-hmm. Despair would be the right reaction if we were created for happiness. Mm-hmm. If we were created for pleasure and happiness, and it constantly evades us, it constantly leaves us, then it's right reason to despair. This mm-hmm. just isn't possible. How could we be created for something that can't even sustain in my life? But we can make the distinction between a despair and a desolation because a desolation is part of uh, the cycle, the up and down of life in a broken and sinful world. Mm -hmm. So the ideals that we talk about, particularly in this this beautiful teaching of St. John Paul II of where we came from and our origin and history, he called the theology of the body, Mm -hmm. is really just a recognition that what we're experiencing in the created world is a sign of the full deepest truth that exists within God himself. It makes the connection that if we're made in the image and likeness of God, that the more we come to know who we are, the more we come to know who God is. Right. And the more we come to understand God, the more we should see in creation him in us and everything else. It's the inseparability 
between the natural and the supernatural, beginning with man made male, female with a body Mm -hmm. and yet also with an eternal soul. Our very existence is proof that we straddle the natural and the supernatural. We're formed with a body like every other animal and yet we're breathed in the very spirit of God. So we're not angels in the sense of, of being created as pure spiritual creatures, right? They have a whole other order. We're not animals because when because our, our being is not just about our bodies and a, and a and a formed spirit that allows us to walk around while we're still alive we have been given a, a breath of god a supernatural spiritual soul inseparable from our material bodies we're we're we're, we're, we're angels <laughs> right as my friend christopher west says and to straddle the natural and the supernatural means that we are hmm, priests and i want to get to you. priesthood is mediation to be a priest in the fundamental sense is to be a mediator. And to be able to mediate between the supernatural and the natural is the first posture of the human person mm. because it's who we are. So having the spiritual soul means that we have the capacity to know God in such an intimate way in the deepest recesses of our heart. We call it the conscience, right? Yeah. That's where God comes to know what is good and evil, who he is and who we are. We have the ability to know that unlike any other creature, right? And we have this sensual body meaning we can the five senses see Mm -hmm. smell hear taste touch that we receive everything not from some supernatural spiritual zapping but everything is received through the senses so being able to mediate between the natural and the supernatural means that our desire of being created for joy our desire for joy is not something put on from the outside it's not something we bootstrap it's not something we convince somebody of it's something we fulfill Amen. Amen. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And don't, don't you think that for us to start living that way, to understand that, we have to get out of ourselves, right? Because everything Jesus said when he came was for other people. He, mm-hmm. Jesus, I don't remember one time in the Bible where Jesus said, hey, give me 10 minutes. I'm going to go do this for myself, okay? I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna change this wa- these rocks into some bread or whatever. Right, right, right. But, you know, he came for others. There's nothing you can find in the Bible he did for himself other than going and praying to his father. Mm-hmm. And that was not for him. That was to honor his father. Mm-hmm. So... So many men today, because of the culture, because of everything, the social media, everything out there points you to be inward focused, right? Everything's about me, what I can achieve, what I can accomplish, you know, all these goals that I want to check off. And I think that's one reason that we have so much trouble finding joy is because we are told if you do all these things for yourself, then you'll find it. And I've heard you say this before. If I create this, if I do this, if if I'm the one in charge, if I'm calling the shots, then I'm going to find my path to, ho- to happiness, to joy. I can make myself happy. And the thing is, you can't. That's right. you got to start living. You know, the thing in my life that changed when I started experiencing joy was I, when I began to live for others. When I truly started looking at, you know, where years ago I would have said, if I give up this, I'm going to be unhappy right now for my children. Like, I don't really want to do what they want to do. I just want to be here. I want to be alone. I want to read this book or I want to watch this show or I just want to be alone for a minute. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, you got eight kids. I'm sure like, is it, are you ever alone? <laughs> no, no, except in the bathroom That's for right. a little while. That's right. Eight wonderful kids, by the way. I met them at Seek. They're wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Um, but yeah, my point being is until we can start like living and learning that joy comes from doing for others. You know, we think that we can create that on ourselves by just, you know, trying to to buy the next thing or do the next thing that's going to make us happy. But what I found in the joy, and if you agree with this, I'd like to hear it, is doing for others, like getting out outside of yourself 
And that's where there's a reason why if you're stuck in yourself and you're beating yourself up and the devil's just you know eating a, bu- a bucket of popcorn and watching you beat yourself up <laughs> and then you take your, your eyes off of that and speak to someone else about something going on in their life and you're a gift in that moment to that person, all that goes away and you, you have that happiness, that joy restored. And so, I mean, is that... Is that a, was that a key for you? I mean, in your in your journey, when you started kind of realizing, look, there's there's more to life than just Damon. Is that- yeah, yeah, and I think you know, in fairness, with the the men I speak to and the men that uh, you know that I have a chance to to speak to, it really isn't about you know imparting some teaching, you know, to change your life or seven ways to make your your marriage great, seven ways to that would be nice. Yeah. It wouldn't be nice. Stuff. It would yeah. be nice. <laughs> but you know, you think about it though. Even that seven, that list of seven, it's not a you know. It can't just be a magic post. You're still going to ask why. Even if you had the seven things to make your life great, including uh, living for others, self-gift, love, all those things are absolutely true, full stop. But you're still going to ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> and that search for meaning is where the, this deposit of faith that Christ himself has given his church, that we are stewards of, is where we can answer those questions. You take the desires of your heart to the right place, and every question will be answered. And it will include, how do I do this? But you've got to answer questions of what. Mm-hmm. What is love? What is joy? You know, what is the human person? Then you've got to answer questions of why. Why should I listen to you? Are you an authority in my life? You know, why do we have so much in common? Yet we're so different and unique and unrepeatable. So those whys move us to want to understand the how. Mm-hmm. And some people always want to skip right to the how. And you can do that in some cases, because if you do the how... John Paul II would say that it's an, it is an experience of living your humanity. And when you can experience and encounter yourself through another person, you will come to know who you are. So here's the, here's the recovering engineer, my, my, <laughs> my, my step-by-step of why this, this works. It begins with self-knowledge. Yeah. Coming to know who you are. And the only way to come to know who you are is in relation with other people. First as a son. Dad tells you who you are, good, bad, or ugly. And dad's voice, biological dad, is, is, will echo for eternity. Yeah, a lot of father souls. wounds out there. A lot of wounds and a lot of healing. It's, there's a power in fatherhood, right? Mm-hmm. Not just biological. My, my adopted kids, when you are a coach, when you are a teacher, our masculinity carries with this ability to impart self-knowledge that we can fight or we can instill that what you do is who you are. You stole that. You're a, you're a thief. Oh, yeah. Right? You told a lie. You're a liar. You know, we go from act to identity, which is which is which is wrong. Which is absolutely yeah, wrong. Because your identity is a beloved son of God, absolutely, or daughter. You're right. So when we do steal, when we do lie, when we do those things, it's out of order. Right. We wish we would be saying that's not who you are, as opposed to that's who you are. So the great the great accuser, mm-hmm. father of lies, small f, <laughs> right, says you are a liar, you are a thief. Our real father says that's not who you are. And not just that, become who you are. Come mm. back to me with your whole heart. Right? You've forgotten your first love. Look me in the eye. Let me tell you who you are, my son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Listen yeah. to him. Right? Well, I think a lot of guys, they have the image of God as this judge and jury, right? Like he's standing up there with a belt. Where does that come from? Waiting. Exactly. I, the lie, Like you said, the accuser. The accuser. He paints that picture that God, God's waiting to punish you. And that you made our a mistake faith, and he doesn't love you anymore. And that he doesn't love you because you broke one of his rules. Right. And the idea of breaking the law, of being a criminal, of, of sinning, really separating ourselves from God, is never permanent. 
this is, this is, while we draw breath, there is nothing we can do. We have a real overestimation of ourselves. We can do something <laughs> to unsun ourselves to God the Father. There's literally nothing that we can do to unsun ourselves while we still draw breath. We're not talking about a worldly relationship. That's exactly. I think that's part of it is we order our mind like we can make a friend never want to talk to us again. You know, we can break that that relationship. Yes. But God is never going to turn his back on us. He's never going to say I'm through with you ever, no matter what you've what you've done. I mean, that's part of our faith, right? That's you know, why we don't believe in the death penalty and all these things is because who are we to say that to take away that person's dignity? And to hasten an right. end right. before they can repent. That's right. another way if you listen to uh, like Dr. Scott Hahn and and others who talk about this idea of I'm a Damon Owens fan. I just listen well, to him. <laughs> well, and I'm a student too, uh, so we're all learning. You are learning from Scott Hahn that that God's relationship, the whole Old Testament, is the story of God as Father, yeah. God as husband, uh, before His bride, before His children, Israel, and the covenants that were made. Literally, the exchange of person. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Beginning in the Garden of Eden. Through uh, Noah and the and the the ark and the and the the rainbow uh, between Israel. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear all of these stories, and for six, seven times, I forgot the number now. I think it was six covenants in the Old Testament, right? That God makes and honors, and we break. Yeah, we are the prostitute as a people. We are the adulterers that have forgotten <laughs> our first love. God has never forsaken us. And what did He do in the end? He brought His only Son, who 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 not only as the begotten Son invited us to become him so that we together, he is the head and we as the body of Christ, can stand before the Father and live in the true sense of being a son. This is relational and it's powerful, mm. which means that self-knowledge is not about book cramming. It's not about memorizing facts. It's about knowing the story of who you are. Right. And then you act in accord with who you think you are. This self-possession, self-mastery is the work of virtue with the habit of doing what is good why? So that we can make ourselves a, a gift. Self-knowledge calls to self-mastery to self-gift. And what Fulton Sheen reminded us, and John Paul II said it also, is that when we love as self-gift, we become a gift to others, it actually deepens our own knowledge. Yeah. We, you know, we <laughs> come is. to know who we are when we give ourselves away. Right. Well, you find out things about yourself, right? I like doing this. I, you know, I'm, I am delighted. Right. These works, these corporal works of mercy are not a job. They're a gift. They're a mm, blessing. They're an opportunity it. to bless someone else to, 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 like you said, to understand better who I am. And, and I think that's the, the culture just speaks completely against that. Yes. I mean, all day long on the TV, it's make yourself happy. Do this. Comfortable. Do that. Right. Yeah. Comfortable. Exactly. Which is why I'm we're happy. crazy. Like on a Friday, right? You guys can't eat meat. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. That's right. You know, what did you do before a fish fillet sandwich? Right. You're right. It doesn't make any sense to ever be uncomfortable because because life in this other philosophy and this other religion is comfort. It is. It's it's prosperity in the material things. Yeah, and the it's one buddy thing, Christ. right? And the one thing that that you're speaking of joy is it's like a life altering experience. Yeah. Like it's it's not temporary. It's it's eternal. And then once you get that sense of joy when you go to worship God, you, the sacraments are more close to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, your marriage is more close to you. Receiving the Eucharist is more close to you. So true. Confession is more close to you, and and it's it's an intimate movement every time you're there, mm-hmm. and then and you don't ever take advantage of it again. And here's the beautiful thing to that, because you're spot on, is that when we experience it, what do we want? More. More. Yeah. Yeah. Just like pleasure, just like right. happiness, but unlike those two that aren't dependent on circumstances, this is relational. 
we enter more deeply into it the more that we do it. It becomes right. easier. Mm-hmm. We start to lose ourselves because we've gained something greater. So you experience joy, and joy becomes a teacher. We become a student, and then at some point we become a teacher of joy, and we bring other students of joy who want to learn. Dude, what is it about you, man? It's like you, you know, you're like Job. This happened to you. That happened to you. That any one of those would have broken me. Mm-hmm. And somehow, you know, here you are, just here. You're not, you know, jumping up and down silly like at a rock concert or right. something but you're here and there's something about you that just how do you do that right and there's something wrong to be smiling and waiting to go into confession because you're you're so excited to confess <laughs> yes. and to get that yes. intention of of going back to god and saying you know I, I messed up but i'm so happy that i can come to you with my heart right in my hands to saying i love you lifting my heart up to you mm. and um you know we talk about that people think we, we can go to confession once a week. Heck yeah. Oh, that's what I say. This beautiful thing yeah. when you say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been one right. week since my last confession. Right. That's right. It's been <laughs> that's five, right. That's five beautiful. hours since we, my last confession. <laughs> we collect dust. All the, like, like Father Pio, uh, Padre Pio says that confession once a week is good because like a room, dust gathers regardless. Mm, so, beautiful. Yeah. I need beautiful. to take a leaf blower to my room. <laughs> but, uh, I know we're drawing to the end here. I want to I get some more details in about what you're doing right now. So tell me what you got on your plate right now. Yeah, so the ministry Joy to Be really is this fruit of using the theology of the body, I call it as the, the vocabulary, the language, the structure, but really leading with joy. That we're created for joy. We have a mission to love. And here's what it looks like to become a, from a son, living authentically uh, to a brother, to a friend, to a spouse, and to a father. And moving through that affective, that human maturity, really is not uh, about getting to the end, as beautiful as that is. It's about the journey itself. Mm-hmm. And the journey itself being this occasion of joy because we know who we are, we know whose we are, and we know why we're here. And that abiding in that is the, is the, the fruit of joy, that right order of becoming the man that God created us to be. So joy to be really is the ministry of going at the source. And that's the family. So we've been focusing on marriage and family to live up to their vocation, to be the place where it is a school of love. It is the place we first encounter Christ. And it's the place that we need to spend all of our energy, not only for our sake, but for the sake of our next generation. Amen. Amen. Damon. Thank you so much. You know, you become yes, a very good friend of mine. Thank you. Proud for of you, man. This is awesome. Calls. Well, Hey man, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a blessing and a gift from God. And, and uh, you have certainly helped me along the way, and, and your friendship means a lot to me. So God is good. Thanks for being my first guest. You'll always be my first guest. Boom. I don't, I don't know if that's good for you or not. I'm <laughs> like putting that, that on my bio, It may man. be something you want to uh, erase one day, but <laughs> hey, internet's forever, right? <laughs> that's right? All right, my friend. Well, we're going to close out with a prayer, and we're going to say the Our Father. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give, Give us, us this, this day, day our, our daily bread. bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, thanks again, Damon. And uh, if you're out there listening, go to joytobe.org. Support his ministry. He's a good friend and a good man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.